Hey guys, what's up? It is week 142. I have some reviews, obviously, for you. So, uh, you know what? I'm going to start this off with just talking about last week. You know, I, the process, how I do these videos, is I usually shoot them in a week in advance. Um, so, you know, uh, I shoot the, them in a week in advance. I get them to the Patreon supporters, and then they go up Wednesday. So they're pretty much um, not necessarily a week in advance. They're shot usually Saturday morning. And then they are probably, um, you know, uploaded to the patrons, you know, Sunday and edited Saturday and it's a shot um, on Sunday they're put up and then they go live usually Wednesday. So uh, basically what happened last week is I, I when I do the reviews, you can skip ahead if you want to hear the reviews. I um, When I know I'm going to review something, I, I rip the trailer from YouTube and I upload it unlisted to see if there's going to be any copyright strikes so I don't get the video taken down. Um, basically, I don't monetize any of my videos. So I don't monetize them because I use trailers and clips because I think it's more entertaining to have those in there. And so the third parties of those companies will monetize them. So I don't really get any gain from like, you know, monetizing the videos or anything like that. They do that. So if you're seeing ads or anything, that's not by my choice. That's by the third party's choice. And I'd like to not have any ads, to be honest. So uh, first, anyways, I uh, uploaded the trailer to Ghost Stories last week. And nothing was flagged, nothing was hit. It stayed up for a couple of days, stayed up even for a few hours, and then all of a sudden they hit me with a copyright notice and the video got taken down. Luckily, YouTube had done this new thing where they can uh, just trim that right out, but it takes, you know, like 24 hours, 12 hours, something like that. So I did that. So the, the hits kind of, you know, disappeared for a while. So it, it suffered a little bit uh, from people not being able to view it or whatever. It doesn't matter. So it's up if you guys want to see it. But what I'm getting at is like, um, is it worth it to not even put trailers in there so you guys can watch these ad free? What do you guys, I like the clips and trailers personally. Um, I, I, you can also download the audio version of this, but, or, you know, maybe I do a Vimeo account and just do it on Vimeo and that way there's no ads. I mean, it would cost money, but still, my, but what do you guys suggest? You know, really when it comes to that, um, I, I don't like the copyright strikes, uh, aggravating cause it's a new movie. You're trying to give it, you know, exposure. Yeah. I don't sit there and just bad mouth movies. I don't think I'm ever unfair and I'm never cruel on purpose or anything like that. So it's just weird that a movie that is new, I know I'm not like some big, you know, <laughs> reviewers like, oh, I'm getting you guys millions of eyes on the movie. That's not the case, but still uh, word of mouth. It does help. Um, I think at least a little bit. So it's kind of strange that they just, you know, they're algorithms, but this one didn't seem like an algorithm. It just hit it days later and then took it down. So I don't know what was going on with it, but regardless, uh, it's kind of aggravating to see that kind of stuff. Um, I just wish there was another avenue besides YouTube, but you know, it's so popular and you have your, your whole base built there and everything like that. So I'm just kind of explaining the process and what can go wrong with that and why the videos sometimes get taken down and why there's ads. It's out of my control, to be honest. Uh, unless you guys, unless I get a, a, a genuine huge boost that people don't want the ads, I mean the trailers, because I could do that, and 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 that would probably help me a little. I mean it would be tra uh, ad free. I don't know. I personally like the trailers, even if they do end up, you know, ad causing ads to pop up. And you guys know you could always download the video probably and just watch it without ads or listen to the audio version. So let's hop into their first review. I've talked uh, enough about nonsense and that is, I should not, I should have had it in my hand already. That is the, 
release from Screen Factory, The Prophecy, um, from 1979 by John Frankenheimer. Um, I think it's really crazy that John Frankenheimer directed this movie. He had done a lot of movies, you know, The French Connection to The Train, um, Ronin. So he's a fairly big director, kind of a, a, you know, a director, maybe a gun for hire at times. He did come in and try to fix the 1990s version of Island of Dr. Moreau. Uh, Moreau, sorry. So, yeah, okay, let me start this one. The Prophecy. This is 1979. It is an environmental horror movie. Um, it definitely feels like there is a message in there that you should take care of the environment and uh that message is never stopped and it, it continues to go to this day there's a lot of people that fight for the environment so the prophecy um first and foremost i want to say this movie's pg which is crazy to me you know uh, there's lots of movies back in the 70s that were rated pg that shouldn't have been i don't think or or a little bit more you know graphic than you would expect so um I, I really appreciate that this is a monster movie, um, an environmental nightmare kind of monster movie, and it's done fairly serious. You know, there's so many of this, like, self... Um purposely done crap or just, hey, we're not taking ourselves here, we don't give a shit. John Frankenheimer took this movie very seriously, it seems. Um... And it works for me. I'm going to be honest. I enjoy this one. It is a little talky at points, and it does take a little long to get started. But it opens with a wallop, and it, it's well shot. It's beautifully shot. The locations are great. The acting's really solid. The characters are fairly well defined. There's an, um, you know internal struggles within, and also lots of other things going on with the characters. Has a nice cast. Um, Foxworth, who's in Death Moon, which is an awful movie. This is a much better movie, much better performance. Um, Tella Shire, I believe you say her name. She's from Rocky and stuff like that. Um, Richard Dysart from uh, The Thing, and there's a couple others in here. Oh, Armand Asante from Judge Dredd, playing a Native American. You know how that was back in the day. So essentially the plot here is there's a logging company that wants to cut down this big chunk of forest, and Armand Asante is, uh, you know, basically the face of this tribe, or this group of tribes that still reside in that forest. They don't want it to be cut down for reasons. The court has ruled that um, they will be cutting it down. So they hire um, Robert Foxworth kind of gets hired to go in and check if the the woods are safe if they're clean you know he's kind of an environmental safety guy he kind of reminds me although it's not the same position he kind of reminds me of a character type like donald sutherland in the 78 invasion of the body snatchers so him and his uh, pregnant wife that he doesn't know is pregnant so you know there's that internal you know thing with her being you know there she he, her husband really doesn't want the kids so there's that going on so they decide to go and investigate the lumber yard and the forest and figure everything out. He's supposed to smooth things over before between both parties. But there's something in the woods. There's uh, some sort of nasty, uh, you know, chemical deal. And the Native Americans believe that some of the mutations are these kind of ancient spirit that protects them from, you know, losing their homes and everything like that. And that's kind of cool to think because in a way it is, but also it's not really that. Um, Without, I'm just going to tell you guys, everybody knows what the uh, prophecy or the prophecy really is. It is um, a big-ass mutated bear. And I uh, guess on set, John Frankenheimer would be angry if people referred to it as a bear. So, uh, yeah, he's dead, though, so I'm going to refer to it as a mutated bear. Um, yeah, this thing is crazy looking. Uh, and in 79, you know, the effects are practical. It's a creature feature, which I love. And when the bear attacks people, it throws people halfway across the woods. Sleeping bag, you guys know the scene. If you've heard of this movie, somebody's brought it up. I won't spoil it. But uh, it slashes at people. It just does a lot of carnage. And the last 30 minutes of this movie is pretty insane. 
And it also goes somewhere with little mutant babies, which I loved, and uh, kind of like unintentionally funny because they're so gross and sad at the same time. I generally felt bad for the mutants at, at the same time, feared them, if that kind of, you know, feels like, you know, gen like kind of a good way you know like you feel bad for the monster but you fear it at the same time like the frankenstein monster and all good universal horror creatures right so um like i said the acting solid cinematography is good it's a very competent taken very seriously movie and it shows you know here's what it is like a b movie story doesn't have to be made like a b movie and and it shows in this one and, and although the movie has some goofy things in there it will come across to some people silly, but I think they'll have a lot of love for it. One was something that is like, hey, doesn't this suck? People are like, yeah, it does suck, and I don't want to watch it. If you don't approach these things serious enough, it just becomes torture to watch. And The Prophecy is not that. It, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty great, to be honest. The transfer looks good, and uh, nothing to complain about the disc. Um, there's um, some interviews on here, which I liked, one with the writer, who doesn't seem to be very happy with John Frankenheimer's interpretation of his story or the script or, or whatever it came from. He doesn't think he got it. Um, Tala Shire talks a lot about the movie. It was interesting what she had to say. And uh, there's also some interviews with a couple special effects artists on the disc. I really like it's a nice put, the movie, and it's a nice put-together disc. I'd recommend checking it out from uh, Screen Factory. It is not the offspring of witchcraft or Satan. It was created by man. It will grow to be 15 feet tall. It will have huge eyes, webbed hands, hooked claws. It will walk upright. And it will mindlessly, mercilessly kill every living thing it meets. Prophecy. Okay, the next one is from Vinegar Syndrome, and I've had this DVD for years, never watched it. I always knew about it, um, but finally got around to watching the Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray of Beyond the Door 3, a.k.a. Amok Train. Uh, yeah, let's show it underneath the slipcover here, because I know it's a different cover. Yeah, but uh, the Beyond the Door um, series is really weird. Um, the first one was an Exorcist ripoff. Um, the director of that actually produced this one. The next one um, was Shock, a.k.a. Mario Bava. You know, is it, a, AKA, it was Shock, a.k.a. Beyond the Door 2, Mario Bava. Or was that 4? So it gets confusing. They're completely unrelated movies, which Italy was very known to do. You know, the Zombie series, the um, Demon series, the Ghost House series. Just a lot of weird kind of series going on that don't make any, you know, continuation of the, any of the other movies. So, okay. Beyond the Door 3. This is more of kind of a Rosemary's Baby type ripoff. We have this group of students who are going to go to uh, Serbia, or I believe it was shot in Serbia. I believe they're going to Serbia. And uh, they basically kind of, you know, are selected. There's seven of them. And they meet this uh, Serbian guy uh, played by Bo Sevston, which is really great. Um, he's really fun. He was just in, I think, a couple weeks ago, Deep Space. So uh, essentially... They're going to go to this small little village and witness all these kind of rituals and see people live back in the day and how they lived like that. But one of the girls has something unique about her. It's some sort of, you know, 
I guess I'll say, um, it's supposed to be, I don't want to say legacy, but it's basically a ritual that involves her, but she's destined to be somebody. And like I said, I kind of gave a little bit too much away with saying Rosemary's Baby, but you can put two to two together, and you can kind of guess what's going on. But this movie's kind of batshit anyway, so it's just like, eh, I don't think that really spoils too much about it. Um, I love that the movie takes place partially on a boat, partially in a plane, and mostly on a train. So it's got all these like kind of big things and stuff like that there's some miniatures of course that look a little cheesy but i like miniatures i don't care if they look cheesy they're just fun for me and i know someone built it uh, this one's made in 1989 so the miniatures you know even then it's a little kind of dated to use miniatures i guess and, and that extent but um this is a budget movie produced by a crazy italian guy who produced a bunch of crazy other movies and it's shot in serbia so um it, it, they, their dollar went a long way there. So it looks kind of big in a lot of aspects. Um, what I really enjoy about the movie is that um, there's good atmosphere. The wooded stuff, the, a lot of fog, a lot of cool things like that. Love that it takes place on a train, that confined area. And also there's some really cool moments of gore and splatter. And they're very Italian. There's very uh, And they use the train. And there's nothing scarier than having train death. I mean, trains are horrifying, to be honest. Uh, one of my dad's best friends was my dad's best friend worked on a train and he told him stories about guys like hobos jumping trains and falling off and getting their legs pinched off and stuff like that and him seeing it and just those stories alone always bothered me and add that with Emperor of the North and just you know boy oh boy but uh yeah just trains are scary very very scary Stephen King used trains a lot so I mean like this uses the train fairly well it is scary there's some weird obvious uh you know telekinetic stuff going on and the lead she's obviously really uh you know the character is definitely involved with all this stuff um like there's some great gore gags somebody's face kind of falls off there's heads getting ripped off people like ran over by the train I enjoy it I like that stuff quite a bit and there's also an element of being absolutely terrifying that's absolutely terrifying that you know you're stranded in a country where you don't speak the language that's got to be horrifying to be honest because you don't know how to communicate with anyone i really like that aspect of it as well um it is cheesy but it works really well for me i i love late italian you know cinema this is actually directed by an american guy who did iced previously but produced by by italians and you know shot in serbia so you know, it's a weird movie, kind of the late 80s, kind of that late run of Italian cinema is just really batshit weird still. And I enjoy most of it, to be honest, from Dead Waters to, you know, the Michele Suave stuff. I, I love all that stuff, late Argento in the 80s and early 90s. So, you know, I really dig this one. It is weird, good atmosphere. Um, Bo Sevson's really fun in it. Enjoyed seeing him. Always do I seeing him. And uh, it looks a little bigger in a lot of places than you'd expect. Um, a lot of the characters are, are stupid. You don't really care about them, but it's enjoyable. And, and it's one of those things where it feels like they're like, hey, we know Americans. And like, it's just a bunch of kids that feel like they're just overly Americanized in some aspects by their appearance and everything like that. I like the movie. It's fun. It's cool. Uh, it looks great. It sounds great. Um, Svenerga Syndrome did a good job on this. And there's some good interviews on here. There's an interview with the director. Uh, it's like 40 minutes long. He gets pretty in-depth talking about calling James Cameron and asking about working with this producer, and that's a really fun story. Then we have one with Bo Sevson, which I absolutely loved. He he, uh, you know, opened up. He seems like a genuinely really great guy and really nice guy and really smart guy. I loved hearing his interview, and I don't think I've seen one with him before. Um, and then there's one with the cinematographer, which is also cool. But uh, great uh, you know, supplements on the disc and a great, really fun Italian horror flick. So, yeah, Beyond the Door 3. I'm a train.
Kai's, do you realize how lucky you are? You have the chance for $800 to witness an ancient Balkan rite, something that happens once every hundred years. See you again? Afterwards? Afterwards. You are his. Okay, the next one is a Patreon pick by Jason Willard, and uh, he always picks the karate stuff. He picked a um, Scott Atkins movie, and I have not seen any of his work. I know he's popular in the martial arts world, and uh, he picked a movie from 2019 called Avengement. And the title, I'm like, what is this? I don't really know what's going on with that title. It's kind of cheesy, got a cheesy cover, so I didn't really know what to expect. I put this in, and I immediately fell in love with it. Um, I had so much fun with this movie. I and I'm a I'm a I can be a very impatient person. I've ADHD, so that's why I'm so like fast talking and always like eh, eh, out of the next next next. So um, I do check times on movies when I shouldn't. Like what's how long? Even if I'm enjoying it or like it, I'll check the time. Didn't check the time once on this. I was super excited during the whole thing. It's a very simple story, um, and the structure is what makes it a little unique. It's not told in chronological order. Um, The music sounds almost like spaghetti western samurai movie, which I absolutely adored. There is a dramatic um, core to the story. It is about revenge, but it's also about avengement or justice, you know, in in a lot of ways. Scott Atkins is the younger brother of kind of a, a criminal... You know, uh, played by Craig uh, Fairbrass, I believe his name is. He's in Cliffhanger. He's the guy who's like, I was a mighty good striker, who uh, Michael Rooker, you know, has his uh, run-in with, seasons over asshole. Always thought he was a good bad guy in that movie. I think he's also in Nightscape, which is a horror film I've seen years back. But um, he's pretty good in this as the main baddie. Um, He basically screws over his brother in in a complicated kind of, not necessarily super complicated, but in a way that you realize it doesn't necessarily seem like it could be him. Scott Atkins goes to prison, and um, he goes through hell. He just fights and fights and fights, and the fight scenes are great. They feel like bras. They feel real. Um, They're just brutal. They give him the old curb stomp, so he has this gnarly uh, grill, metal teeth, and um, there's, there's comedy bits, too. Scott Atkins is really, he's one of these rare cases where he's great at fighting and he's also just a great actor and has a lot of charisma loved it i'm going to track down more of his movies but i love this scene in the movie where um he he looks at his teeth and he's like oh did you give me the metal ones and, and it's an english film and he's like um because your attitude he's like i look scary as fuck <laughs> it just cracked me up but anyways he goes after these people and the whole the whole like opening of this he's got all these people trapped in a bar that are involved and he's telling the story and it's flashing back and and more things come to light 
So uh, this movie builds up to a, a great big fight scene at the end, which I absolutely loved. The bad guys are all recognizable, although they don't all have giant bits of dialogue. They look unique enough, and for some reason, they stand out, and they seem different. Like, I've seen so many movies where the bad guys all seem the same. These guys don't. Um, there's it's, it's all fighting. It's all fighting and drama, and I just love this damn thing. I recommend checking it out. Um, like I said, the score helps with the um, dramatic elements of it. Uh, I love this damn thing. Seriously, it's one of my favorite movies I've seen in a long time. I can't recommend it enough. It is on uh, Amazon Prime. So if you're into martial arts movies or revenge movies or just criminal films, crime films, this is highly recommended. Well acted. Some great fights in here. Um, love it. Uh, wish I would have seen more of his movies. I'm definitely going to track them down. Hold on, my members only. If you want me to break one of my rules and lend you money, then you're going to have to do something for me. You follow her home, you take the bag off of her, and you bring it back here. You come back here without that bag, you're on your own. is charged. Your sentence is extended by one year. We hereby find you guilty two years. Alright, who was worth it, mate? 20 grand. From where? I think your brother's bankrolling it. My brother did this. Come on in. Don't be shy. Okay, the next Patreon pick was by my boy uh, Derek Bourgeois, or uh, D. Boogie, uh, 1986, and he picked Godzilla Final Wars. Now, I actually had this on Vudu in HD, so I didn't have to watch my sun-faded DVD here. And uh, believe it or not, I hate, I'm not the hugest Godzilla fan. Not that I dislike him, it's just I never got you know super into Godzilla. So I haven't seen as many as I should have. But I did see this one. My friend uh, put this one in, and... Uh, I always had kind of a fondness for it. It is it is a fairly long Godzilla movie. And um, you know how a lot of people complain about Godzilla movies? It's like, there's just talking, and then Godzilla comes out, and then talking, and it's boring between the scenes. In this one, it kind of adapts, like, adopts, like, a, a thing of, like, let's just rip off the Matrix and Star Wars in between the Godzilla fight scenes. So it's never boring. It's absolutely ridiculous. It involves alien invasion. It has some bad CGI. The miniatures, though, are, are cool. Um, the plot is really weird. Uh, essentially, Godzilla is buried in some, like, Antarctic area and uh, hidden. And um, what happens is these giant monsters come back and or they come and they start to destroy the cities. Then aliens invade. They suck the monsters away and they tell them, you know, we want to be friends. But they all have ulterior motives, of course. When they figure out they do, there's also mutants running around that... Um, 
I don't know, explain the mutants, they tie into the aliens, kind of reminds me of something like the Quatermass Experiment or something like that, essentially, uh, mutants that are good. So uh, what happens is that these aliens do have alternative motives, they want to farm the humans and eat them, and it's a brilliant idea of Don Fry and company, uh, Don Fry, the legendary MMA fighter, Don Fry here, love Don Fry, he's like uh, the epitome of what Japanese people think badass Americans are, he's got the big mustache, the muscles, he's quiet, he's tough, and he's very funny. Um, so basically, uh, Don Fry decides we got to unleash Godzilla. We got to free him. Then we got to have him kill the monsters. And then we got to try to bury this son of a bitch again. So that's the plot of the movie. So Godzilla uh, has run-ins with all bunch of monsters in here from Rodan to Gigan to Mothra does help him out. Who else pops up in here? So I'm trying to think of the other monsters. The Seek Lobster, the Godzilla 98 from America, the Smog Monsters in here. So there, there's a couple of these guys that pop up. Uh, the guy who rolls into the ball, I can't remember his name. Uh, there's a couple others. But um, I, I, I recognized all the monsters. You know, I used to play with the toys as a kid. I had a bunch of Godzilla toys. So I knew who the monsters were. And there's a final showdown, which is only right that he fights him at the very end without spoiling too much. Entertaining movie. Like it. Loves Ian Don Fry. A lot of action. A lot of cheesiness. There's cameos by uh, Ray Seffo and Gary Goodridge for you guys out there that like uh, kickboxing and MMA. Um, so, yeah, it's a cool movie. I like it. Um, it's enjoyable. Is it the best Godzilla movie ever? I highly doubt it, although I haven't seen that many. I don't think it's going to be. And it's not a fan favorite, but I like it. You know, it's enjoyable for me. So that is uh, Godzilla Final Wars with Don Fry. This final mission will decide the fate of the human race. This is Operation Final War. Godzilla Final Wars. Okay, this next one here is going to be a quickie. I didn't get a chance to dive into all the features, but I just want to mention it really quick. Um, and, you know, it was one of the first I watched this week. This is the Tough Ones with uh, Tomas Milan, uh, who's in a bunch of stuff like Almost Human and all sorts of spaghetti westerns, Companioneros. And the other actor in here, I can't remember his name, but he's kind of big in these things, uh, Maurizio Merli. So, yeah. And also has Arthur Kennedy. You guys know Arthur Kennedy from Let's Sleep in Corpses Lie, The Antichrist, and a bunch of, like, classic classic movies that are probably what you guys know them from know him from but i know him from this kind of shellac the you know the euro horror which i love so um the tough ones this one's got a pretty big reputation on being one of the best polizia tetsi it's directed by umberto lenzi from you know cannibal ferox nightmare city uh spasmo tons of movies so yeah i put this in and uh i don't want to be too negative it's a good movie uh but there's a lot of, you know, just chasing and car chasing and things like that and slapping and him just beating the hell out of everyone. And I want more shooting when I watch a Plitio Tetsi. I want shootouts. I really, I know there's a lot of car chasing, these kind of things, police procedural, but it's really ham-fisted in the kind of the way too. Like, I'm a police officer and my hands are tied. I can't, you know, you're not letting me do my job. And he's like, you know, the kind of vigilante kind of Charles Bronson type. And while watching this, I just, I'm, I don't care for the lead. I don't think he has a screen presence or charisma that someone like Franco Nero or Charles Bronson has, who I really picture these kind of roles. And I know Nero did his own street law and stuff like that, but I just don't care for this actor. 
I don't. I think he's kind of boring. I think he's kind of, eh. Um, Thomas Milan, uh, he plays a hunchback kind of villain that um, our hero, uh, or so-called vigilante cop, gets tunnel vision for. He's a, he's a loose cannon cop. I'm bringing that term back from like the last couple weeks. Loose cannon cop gets tunnel vision on him and thinks he's involved with these crimes. So, yeah. He kind of focuses on him, abuses him, and uh, you kind of realize there is some sort of crime syndicate going on, and you do realize that he is involved, and he's pulling the strings and everything like that. Um, By the end, there is some really good action and stuff like that, Uh, and there's some really cheesy stuff in here. Like, at one point, the guy decides maybe, you know, the killing them isn't right, but it kind of backfires, and he was right to kill them whatever. Also, the arguments he has with his girlfriend that she's kind of like the one who is, um, what is she like, a, a police psychologist or something? She basically, you know, lets the pe- gives the people, like, talks to him and recommends for them to go or leave or anything like that. So, essentially... There's a couple of young guys that go in, and she's like, ah, oh, she's more of a, you know, I guess you'd say bleeding heart type, and, you know, we have the hardened cop. And this is like a, these are kind of political in a certain aspect back in Italy. I believe that, you know, they didn't have, you know, as many, like, I don't think the cops had as much power or something like that. But nowadays, when you watch these, you're just like, oh, wow, you know, police brutality, police brutality. But I love these kind of movies typically. I just thought this one didn't have enough of the shooting and the stuff that I dig on these movies. The bad guys are ruthless in here. There's a real kind of tasteless rape scene. And is there any other kind of rape? They're all tasteless, I guess. But there's a nasty rape scene in here. Um, most of it, I think, is off camera. So I guess it's not as tasteless as I was saying. But it's just kind of really gross because gangbang scene type deal. And I wish, I just wish he would have killed more. And I wish he would have shot more. You know, I, I like the police chasing. I like the slapping. But it's mostly him just slapping people and everything like that. And also I nor- noticed Arthur Kennedy. I think this is 76. He he did Let's Him Corpse Lie in 74. And he was perfect in that movie. And this one, um, I think he must have been suffering from some sort of like Tourette's or Parkinson's. Because like, I don't, because up close he's like this. Like he's shaking. Like it's really weird and kind of like distracting and sad at the same time. He still does a fine job. He's still good. And I like the back and forth that he has with the lead. I think they do well. And and there's there's some sophisticated layers, but it's really ham fisted at the same time. And it be, because kind of makes you chuckle in a lot of ways. All in all, it's fairly enjoyable. But there are some stupid things in here that drove me nuts. Um, some coincidences that I was like, okay, about the junkyard thing and who owns it and the the missing license. I was like, get the fuck out of here with that but uh all in all it's okay it's solid um it looks really good and sounds good i know grindhouse did a good job with the uh, remastering and things like that but and then there is sort of a sequel to this called the rat the cynic and uh geez what is it the cynic the rat and i can't think i have it i'll have to watch that one too i actually held off on watching that one because i wanted to see this one first so i waited for this one to come out but yeah it's worth checking out if you like these kind of movies but my favorite one so far is probably revolver um with uh, oliver reed but hey i'm probably the odd man out on that deal don't move, anybody! This is a Don't move! You heard me? Special squads are in position, sir. Marksmen on all the rooftops. Developments? No, nothing new, sir. They're sticking to their ultimatum. So eat it. Why are you kidding, huh? Not in the least. Now go on, eat it. So I'll eat it. Watch. Get her to shut her mouth or I'll shut it for her. Shut up, I said. Shut your mouth, you bitch. Shut up. Put a bullet in it. You know what we need to beat it? 
A special squad with the authorized backing of the law that can fight these bastards with freedom in their own backyard. How come you didn't knock off that son of a bitch inspector? Yeah, it would've been easy. But when I go for him, I want to be face to face. I'm gonna have that fucking son of a bitch puke with fright. <laughs> <laughs> They're often valid, my dear. My God, Leo, you're so fanatical, you're blind to everything else. You're not helping very much, are you? Go ahead, Pollyanna. <laughs> oh. <coughs> Look, Inspector, you give me a decent break and I'll make you a deal. I'll tell you all I know about Ferrander. Let's hear it. I know where Ferrander is. He's... What's your name, man? Theodore. Ah, Theodore, son of a whore. Good to know you. What are you doing? No! Oh, let me go! Shut up! No! Go on! Oh. I think you lost this. What's the thing I'll lose? Good, Shove it up your ass. Fight! Fight! Oh. Bitches. Make it two and a half and you can touch my hump, huh? Okay? Come on, touch it. It's good luck, really, man. Thanks, anyhow. But I don't believe in those superstitions. Mm -hmm. Refusing to touch it brings bad luck. <laughs> this ain't baking powder. We've got you, Moran. Hey, wait a minute. That stuff ain't mine. That was put there by somebody. It was planted, I tell you. Yeah, you can explain. Get the bastard! Go on! Okay, we have a couple quickies here from Shudder. Um, the first one is going to be um, Graham Skipper's directorial debut, Sequence Break. Okay, I like him as an actor. I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. And at first, you know, I was like, okay. And like, I was like, eh, I was iffy on him. But as it, as it went on, he just got so much better. And maybe I just like got used to him. You know how like certain actors you see at first and you're not unsure about them. But he's been so great the last couple years. I've, I've, he's always been a highlight in the movies from Bliss to even... Uh, Tomination. Um, so, like, uh, he's just really, really fun, um, and I like him. So, Sequence Break, he directed this one, and it has uh, Chase, uh, Chase Williams is his name? He's in a bunch of stuff. I know he's in um, John Dies at the End. And he works in uh, kind of like a remastering or bringing up kind of like... Um, you know, old school games, you know, the big arcade games and fixing those up and getting them to work. He's kind of a genius at that kind of stuff. Um, and he starts a relationship with a girl, but there's something going on within the coding of one of the games that um, is, is really weird and off. And it kind of like kind of 
kind of possesses you and puts you in some sort of weird world where it kind of like David Cronenberg um, tetsuos you and mixes you in in these kind of weird dream sequences where you're kind of being sucked into the game and wrapped in all this weird stuff. Um, and that's where some of the cool lighting comes in and trippy stuff and surreal stuff. But there is some sort of crazed bum going around. And without spoiling too much, it, it kind of adds this element of, you know, changing the world through coding and almost like tr it gets really trippy in a lot of ways. And I enjoyed that. I thought it was really cool. Again, it has a love story at the core. And uh, throughout the movie, I was pulling for the people to survive. I didn't want to see anyone get killed in here. And that, that's a plus. Chase Williams is pretty good in this movie. He's also an Arctic. I just remembered that. He's a solid actor. And, uh, you know, I think he's got a nice little career ahead of him in indie horror movies for sure. Um, and I, I bought the love story. You know, it does come a little fast, but I think that two of the characters are a little neurotic, so it works. Um, and there's some really cool effects at the end, especially something melting. And I like that it, it's one of those horror movies where, you know, I've seen like Existence and Videodrome mixing that kind of media, but have I seen it done with video games on a budget? I guess I hadn't, and this is kind of that, and uh, it's pretty cool. So um, I would recommend checking out Sequence Break. It's on Shutter. It's fun. It's cool. I got some bad news. We're gonna have to close up shop. Like forever? Yeah. You spend enough time making other people's games beautiful. I'll do something for you, okay? Hey man, look, you can't be in here. Don't just look into the void. Let the void look in. You. I'm Tess. Oz. Oz? Really? Yeah, it's short for Osgood. You have a higher purpose. Break the sequence. Be the man I could never be. Okay, the next one is also going to be a quickie from Shudder, and this is Monster Party. Okay, Monster Party follows the story of three kind of criminals who, like, they go into houses and they rob them and yada, yada, yada. But the girl has, you know, kind of another job as a caterer, and she's going to be catering this huge, rich uh, place. And uh, one of the guys' is in, fathers is in trouble with the bookie, so... He decides that, you know, we got to rob this place. And they pick the worst place to rob. What happens is this is kind of, uh, they call it Monster Party. There's no actual monsters in it, but there's human monsters for sure. Men! is the biggest monster. That's a stupid thing Jeremy always says. But uh, so essentially what happens is um, they decide to rob the place. They, they know some high-tech things, but it is a house of uh, recovering serial killers. 
yes, and their doctor, who also appears to be a recovering serial killer. So, of course, shit hits the fan when one of the young kids decides that there's a family of four and then some other people that are in there just realizes what's happening. He decides to kill one of them, and that kind of starts this chain reaction where all of them kind of can't stop doing it, and people start getting killed. They have to fight to, for their survival and who's going to relapse and who's, you know, and, and that's kind of the movie. they got to survive in this house. <clears throat> if I remember correctly, you know, like I said, sometimes you watch these early in the week. I remember the effects being solid and decent and the acting for the most part I enjoyed. Um, sometimes they do some silly things, but that's okay. And one of the actors, one of the performers I didn't care for, maybe it's just his character, the son of the main serial killers. I thought he was poor and I just didn't want to see him really. He was the most boring character to me and his the way he handled himself is very, eh. There, there's a couple really annoying characters as well. And a couple, there's a couple lame deaths too. Like somebody falls down the stairs and I completely missed that scene. I didn't even know that person died. I had to rewind it and double check. So they didn't really get that across very well. But like I said, it's got a nice setup. It reminds me a bit of something like Cannibal Club, which uh, came out um, the year after. I think this is a 2018. That one came out 2019. So it kind of reminds me a little bit of Cannibal Club or Best of Plot, Don't Breathe, which I have not seen. But, uh, you know, it's kind of we are the criminals, but we're actually in a house full of monsters themselves. Think real killers or something. You know, it's a plot we've seen before. It's executed fairly well. Um but it could have used a little bit more. It comes across good to me, not great. It's okay. Um, and the very end, it's just like, why? Why would I don't buy that very much? But oh well. I mean, it, it's it's just kind of something. Maybe somebody wanted to see some more action, but I don't think the end really fits. I understand what they're trying to get across. That you know, once you kill or if you snap, maybe you can't go back, or maybe you had enough. But eh, I don't really care for it. Don't think it works too well. But uh, yeah, that is Monster Party. Yep. We should definitely have something big tomorrow. Working that dinner party thing tomorrow night, I told you this. They got a safe in the master bedroom. Yuppie scums won't know where them. My name is Roxanne Dawson, and like all of you, I'm an addict. Hello, Roxanne. It's been a long and arduous battle for me. With monsters, inside and out. But here I am, a functioning member of society. We gotta get out of here. Those kids aren't leaving this house alive. Tonight was supposed to be a reunion to celebrate everyone's cleanliness, but... You've been a bad boy. This can't be happening. We're not animals, aren't we? I love this thing. Okay, we got one of first uh, one of the 2020 releases. Um, this technically counts, and this is Get Gone. Get Gone, God damn it! Um, this is from uh, Cleopatra Entertainment, so you know it's going to be probably a budget kind of affair. Um, this one stars Lynn Shade, who's great, and Robert Miano, who's also great from stuff like China Girl and uh, Parasites, which I think the name changed on that one. He's also in the awful movie Open House, um, which struck me as funny because he plays a homeless guy. And he, he's 
there's a homeless guy element to open house and then he plays a homeless guy in parasites. So it's just like, Hey, that's weird. I don't know why, but it just brought, uh, to my attention. Uh, what we have here is, uh, kind of, a outback family, uh, out, um, backwoods family, sorry, outback, you know, and they're not Australian. That's still the next one, next review, but, uh, backwoods family, uh, kind of living on this land. They're not supposed to, again, we have this lumber company. <laughs> it's the same thing with prophecy, right? This lumber company wants, uh, their land because they bought it, but they won't move off it. They're kind of squatters, yada, yada. They're Lynn Shade's the mom, Robert Miano's the dad. And then they have two kids who have some sort of weird skin condition, um, where they're kind of albinos and they're really weird. And they're essentially monster serial killers. Um, they're acting for the most part of their, uh, actually, um, I think Nicholas Cage's kids, at least the big one is. And, uh, I don't really think his performance is very good. Robert Miano and Lynn Shade do a very good job. Um, I actually enjoyed seeing them. I thought they made a nice, crazy couple. Um, and basically what happens is there's a group of filmmakers that are going out there to kind of document something and internet show, whatever. They were like, we want to get a spot at some of them kids. All these characters are fairly annoying and fairly lame and just uh, whatever. Get rid of them. They suck. Um, their guide is actually very funny. He plays a good character. He's he's probably one of the better characters in the movie as well. And there's a guy who basically is, I think he's like a, a, guy, a nature officer or whatever. Um, yeah, geez, what's the term I'm looking for? A forest ranger maybe. And uh, he gets involved. So it's basically all of them versus these kind of crazy hillbillies. Zero gore. All the all the kills are almost off screen or strangulations. Very poor kills. Um, very poor special effects. The makeup on the two kids, you can like they didn't really. You can see like only like old patches on their face, not really under their eyes. A lot of the stuff shot outside. A lot of the characters seem to like run back and forth in front of the kill. It's just it's not very well done in a lot of aspects, um, and kind of poorly done to be honest. In, in a lot of others, I will say that the guide is funny. His dialogue is good. His performance is solid. Robert Mianos is solid. Lynn Shea is good as well. And those three really are pretty much the standouts of the movie. The Forest Ranger's okay, although he seems very nice at times, and then he'll just like drop these like one-liners, like, come on then, motherfucker. And you're like, ah, I don't buy that. He didn't seem like he'd say that on his, his changeover from being like, you know, trying to settle the situation to get angry is not is not that believable. Um I don't remember any of the characters, kids really. They're all they're all really bad and bland. And one's that kind of guy who's like, Oh, I can't wait to film some crazy retards. Ah! And you're just like, dude, this guy is so stupid. Like I don't, at, at my age, like, I just can't imagine not punching that guy in the face after being around him for five minutes. Uh, but I also can't imagine myself going out in the middle of the woods and trying to film people that, you know, have a physical disorder. Who does that? Come on, what the fuck? But, uh, yeah, it's just, um, it's not particularly great, to be honest. Um, I don't want to be too negative on it. It's very low budget. Uh, and But, you know, what's funny is I think I enjoyed it more than the next movie. And the next movie is done more professionally than this movie. This movie is made on a budget, so you can kind of expect some of these things. But it really could have used some special effects. There's no special effects. There's just not there. Um, but I guess I'm the same guy that says I'd rather see no special effects than really bad CGI special effects. And maybe that's what they were dealing with. But, um, you know, I, I'd probably pass on this one. But uh, if it sounds like it's up your alley, it's not the worst thing ever. Don't let people make you think it's the worst movie ever. But it's not particularly good at all. So I'm sorry to be too negative. But if you're a big Robert Miano fan um, or Lin Shea fan, check it out. They do good in it. They play crazy well. And I enjoyed them in it. so beautiful here. 
except when the strangers show up. We ain't leaving. This is your team building orientation. I said no one was to go alone. There's enough rumors going around about the Maxwells. Just leave them alone. You know how those people in town treat my boys? Make them feel like garbage. Like monsters. Time to get your ass out of our woods, you damn freak. Our home. Leave us alone. If you create a beast, you best learn how to ride it. I sure don't understand why they want to harass my family, but they do. Mean people. Mean, and I mean mean. You know what I mean when I say mean. But they just keep on coming. They just keep on. They keep on. They just keep on coming. Sleep tight enough. Okay, the next one is a Shudder um, exclusive, a 2020 movie from Australia, y'all. And this is, I don't know why I said y'all after Australia. I should have said it in the last review. Damn it. But uh, this is The Marshes. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, I've heard a lot of negative things about this. So when I started it, I didn't expect much, I'm going to be honest, which is a good thing. You never want to get your expectations too high. So what we have here is three kind of, uh, I don't, they're going out to study this kind of um, really isolated march marsh where they want to take samples there's three of them there's a um, you know a, kind of a teacher kind of i think it's like an understudy student maybe and then another maybe professor they go out there and they want to you know just take samples and figure out if there's pollution and right off the bat they run into a couple poachers that you think are they're no good they're annoying and uh there's also they tell a campfire story and it's almost like hard to hear the campfire story so i was like what what are they saying and it goes by super quick but it does come in to play later on and uh the lead character starts to have like nightmares at times where you're like is that a nightmare Did that really happened what's going on here but um you kind of register that at one point there is something almost supernatural happening definitely supernatural happening in here and that kind of threw me for a loop at one point in the film um the characters are really boring really bland none of them stand out none of them are likable they're hard to watch they're they're not enjoyable characters they're very one-dimensional and just dumb like at one point um you guys ever see the movie rituals um where you know how Hallbreak, Lawrence dane kind of a deliverance ripoff at one point they're camping and their boots are stolen they wake up, their boots are gone. They kind of freak out, as you should, because you got no boots in the middle of the woods. Um, this time they wake up, and there's a boar head on the fire after they confronted some poachers. And instead of going back, um, they decide not to. Stuff like that. Also, the characters are just despicable and petty and boring. Um, I didn't care that they died. But on one point, some of the cinematography is great. There's some really great wide shots that are wonderful. There's some aerial shots that are really wonderful. There's a scene where they there's a wide shot of this nice this tree and someone's hanging from it, and that's really well done. The killer's mostly in the shadows, mostly a very boring kind of typical I'm you know backwoods kind of killer type deal. Also, there's a couple scenes shot at night, and um, 
might as well just be dark screen with sound at the at some of the points. Like I could not see anything. There's a love scene in here, and it's so dark. I don't know if it was intentional to for me not to know who's having sex because I didn't know who's having sex. Because the next morning, when the one person starts complaining, I was like, oh, okay, that's what's going on. Because I didn't know. I didn't know if I was supposed to know. But there's these scenes at night where it's so dark that it's almost non-existent stuff. Like there's nothing there. Like I, bad cinematography on that spot. I know it's supposed to be dark. I know it's supposed to be like mysterious and suspense uh, building, but if I can't see anything, then I it, it doesn't really work for me. <clears throat> or if the sound design's not perfect, if I can't see anything. So there, there, there was that kind of going for it. The special effect that were going against it. The special effects. I remember there's some there's some blood here and there. Uh, at one point at the end, like I, I really had a hard time paying attention, and I know that's on me, but I'm just being honest with you. Um, very very substance subpar uh, kind of slasher film. And it's funny that I just praised the prophecy for having B material and, and making it as A as possible. And this one has B material, and they're they're doing it very serious. And it's funny because I'm not the biggest fan of the horror movies that came after Scream, where it's like, we're self-aware of the slasher, John, and we're going to turn it on its head. It's like you only can turn it on its head once, and then you're just kind of stuck there and not doing anything with it. And I, I believe that this one is trying to go back to being a serious slasher. It's not like, hey, wink, wink, and... um. I wish it worked because I would probably rather see more slashers like that, and it doesn't for me. It's just too bland and too boring. It's kind of like, hey, man, you want to make something like Wolf Creek with nothing happening? Absolutely. And Wolf Creek has a lot of stuff where nothing happens too. So, um, yeah, not big fan on the marshes. But if you have Shudder, um, you know, check it out for 10 minutes. There's some good stuff. I mean, like, it's not poorly made. It's not like these guys completely poorly made. Like, it's not like they, like, have bad sound. Although, at a couple points, they do, like... They're driving and they're filming through the outside, like through the windows and everything like that, and the glare and like sometimes it just looks so soft and and, and just so hard to see anything. It just looks unappealing to the eye. So that's the marshes. So is there like any chance of getting malaria at here? <laughs> what? Okay, there there are mosquitoes. It's it's possible. Yeah, the real world thing material happened not far from here. Hey, what do you mean real? Come on, there's a whole song about it. Hmm. I mean, it's a bit suspect, don't you reckon? I mean, whoever killed themselves over a sheep. Yeah, I guess so. Ever since then, the malignant ghost of the swagman has haunted remote waterways, whistling his mournful song and tucker-bagging anybody unlucky enough to stumble into his watery domain. Nice. Don't say I didn't warn you.
okay. Another 2021 is by Lucky McKee, director of May and The Woman, and it is Kindred Spirits. And, you know, this is kind of more of a thriller than a horror film, but I'm going to count it for 2020 because it does have some horror aspects to it. Um, it does seem like it's on a limited budget. It has a very small cast. Uh, as Thora Birch and Macon Blair, who I absolutely love. Macon Blair uh, was in stuff like Blue Ruin, Murder Party, just uh, Green Room. Very good actor. Uh, he also directed I Don't Feel... Uh, okay in this world, whatever that one's called with Elijah Wood, which is a great movie on, on Netflix. But uh, Macon Blair here, he's in this. Uh, yeah, okay, the story of this one is uh, a story of a mother and daughter who are by themselves, and they seem to be, you know, getting along for the most part. The daughter has kind of violent tendencies. In fact, I think the whole family has a little bit of violent tendencies, if you know what I mean. And all of a sudden, uh, the, da uh, the mom's sister comes back. She's a younger sister. It seems by a substantial amount, and you learn that, you know, this sister was kind of taken care of by her older, you know, sister, and it was almost like a mother, you know, daughter relationship. She comes into the family, and she seems off right away to the audience, and it's one of these movies where she does all these things that are really twisted and really messed up, but only, like, everybody knows a little bit about it in the story, but we know everything, so it drives us crazy because we think everyone's dumb, but they're really not because they don't have all the facts, but you want them to find the facts, so you get really aggravated like come on come on find out you know you know because she's crazy so the sister ends up having some sort of mental disorder big time she's just she's you know 90s thriller crazy if I, i'll say that and she wants the the mother you know the the mother to be like her mother again and because she has some messed up you know reality and everything like that so she starts to kind of eliminate anybody or try to eliminate anybody that could get in the way of her and her sister so that's essentially what's going on here um there's a flashback in here that kind of uh you know comes to play later on at the end there's one really gross uh nasty murder in here that has great special effects and one that has poor special effects so it's not like a huge body count movie or anything like that i think the performances are, are pretty good for the most part but these kind of movies always grate on my nerves because you want it to go you just want the characters to find out asap what's going on but uh it's not it's not the movie's fault for that, you know, that's actually probably what you would call suspense, or <laughs> so sometimes maybe I'm a little too impatient for suspense, but they do that, all right, where I was actually getting uh, annoyed and intrigued what was going to happen next. And the movie could have lost me big time if they did something because that would have, you know, portrayed a lot of characters as really dumb and naive, but they don't do that at the end. And I was so happy for it. And I know a lot of people will be like, well, they should have went with that. I think it's like, no, because when the cops bring up a bunch of stuff, you realize that makes more sense, really. So I enjoyed it for the most part. I think it's all right. You know, like I'm right in the, I'm above average, just slightly on it. Um, I do think that I wish it would have actually got bigger and went a little bit more darker and had more things happen, but uh, it, it's a good movie. It's a solid film. Uh, there's a lot of family drama here and there, and you kind of get aggravated at a lot of the different characters at different points in the movie. But uh, there's a couple callbacks that work okay. All in all, I think it's a solid movie. I don't love it, but I like it, and uh, it's on... I rented it on uh, Amazon Prime, so if you're interested, that is Kindred Spirits. Um, cool name, too. Yeah. Hey. Hey. <laughs> I don't want anyone to see us. Nicole, did you use protection? I don't want to see you make the same mistakes that I did. You can't wait until after dinner to remind me I was a mistake? I think my mom is straight up ignoring me now. I wish my mom would ignore me. She just pushes me away. I think you could be talking about us. You push me away. Good night, Alex. Aunt Sadie! Nicole! Hi! 
Is everything okay? You showed up out of the blue. I just thought that I should come home and start over because I've like failed in everything I've tried to do. I sort of have a boyfriend now. What's his name? Derek. How do I look? You look amazing. Why is she trying to look like you? She's always been a little immature. There's a party tonight. Can we go under one condition? We go in costume. Are you a senior? Um, yeah. Half the party thought that you were our age. Don't you think that's weird? Nicole. Hey. <gasps> I thought you were Nicole. He won't tell anyone, right? Derek? Shh. I was thinking about getting my GED. That's great. Do you think maybe you could help me sometime? Uh, yeah. It'll be like homeschool. What's her deal? She said she wanted to start over. Your mom's the strongest person I know. She's basically all I had. Kill her. Why are you trying to ruin my life? I can't remember the last time it was just you and me. So what are your intentions with Chloe? I think I'm in love with her. She needs me. And I need her. We're kindred spirits. Hey guys, what's up? We went and seen a brand new movie from 2020. The Underwater. Underwater. The Underwater. Damn Underwaters. It's not Hammer Time. Why am I here? You, we'll get to it. <laughs> but Underwater, uh, yeah. It had starred Kristen Stewart, um, Vincent Cassell, T.J. Miller, and some other people i never seen or didn't recognize when I saw them in this. Okay. All right. It's been a long time since I've seen one of these movies, and I don't think I've seen a movie like this with this big of a budget in years. Underwater kind of, you know, whore flick, which is kind of a rarity nowadays. Definitely a rarity. So yeah. I, I wanted to make sure I went and supported this one. Um, it's actually PG-13. Uh, but don't let that kind of shy away from seeing it because the only real thing that uh, it, it's affected is the language because in this kind of situation, there'd be a lot more language like any movie. People like, ah, they'd be dropping the F word every three and a half seconds because it's a terrifying situation. Okay, similar to stuff like Deep Star 6, we have this mining facility, 7,000, uh, the trailer keeps, I, there's this weird part in the trailer, which is, I don't think in the movie, it's like 7,000 miles in the middle of, <laughs> no, away from any land, and 6,000 miles under the ocean, and I'm like, I don't remember this opening. It's not 6,000 miles, it's like 6 miles. 6 miles, yeah, but it says 7,000 miles in the middle, out of nowhere, and 6, um, 6 miles, 6 deep. miles, almost 6,000, that'd be like, <laughs> there's corn shit. But, okay, so they're doing a mining facility, uh, and right in the beginning, this movie takes absolutely zero time to get started. Kristen Stewart's, like, brushing her teeth. She sees some water drip. They're under water, of course, and she tries to get to, like, a, um, some sort of, like, rescue area where it's, like, sealed off. Mm -hmm. Like and, a chamber yeah, room. It's, her and somebody else makes it there, but that's probably the scariest scene and the, probably the best done scene in the whole movie, if you ask me. Right in the beginning, it felt like um, a workplace like hazard. Like, that would really happen. And yeah. I was actually kind of terrified during that whole scene. Uh, the acting, for the most part, uh, what did you think? Well, and, and essentially, I was get through the plot. So basically, they're yeah. isolated. They uh, find some more survivors, and they want to... It's a huge facility, so they need to get to the ocean floor and end up walking in the darkness in these suits to uh, a kind of a safe area, and hopefully there'll be some escape pods. That's that's their idea. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, it's really like, you know, we survived this disaster, what few of us did, and uh, we don't quite know what caused it, um, but there's an alternate route that we can take to get back up to the surface. And we kind of know after a little bit, the opening gives it away with weird newspaper clippings, yeah. there's, that there's some mysterious thing in the ocean, and it, it's an ancient, I, I don't even want to spoil this, but I think it's pretty obvious what's in the water, there's definitely a creature element, and uh, it's, it's the old story, it's like, we messed with the land, and it, it Game is something in return. They crack the floor and they hit monsters. Right. And essentially that's what happens. But for the first like 20, 30 minutes, there's not, no monsters. just kind of survival. Yeah. A lot of it's kind of like weathering the elements. Yeah. Like, you know. Disaster movie. Yeah. Beside adventure style stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's all really well done. Uh, Kristen Stewart, how'd you think of her? She was fine. She was fine. Yeah, uh, I didn't recognize her at first, and then I was like, oh, is that a Twilight girl? I, I never saw Twilight, so I haven't seen her in anything. But I've seen um, like 20 minutes of Twilight. I know that her uh, other half in that movie, Robert Padson, is excellent in pretty much his stuff. So I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, don't dog out an actor for doing something like that in, early in their career, because they'll go on to do great stuff eventually. Usually they do. So, uh, yeah, I thought she was fine. Uh, people were complaining this is an alien ripoff, and guys... Come on, everything's an alien or a Night of Living Dead. There's only so many horror movies, so get over it. Well, an alien is a slasher in space. It's, I mean, yeah, it's what like do you want? Halloween. Yeah. Alien technically is a Halloween <laughs> in 2001 ripoff, okay? Whatever, get the fuck over it. There's only six movies they can make anyways. Right. Um, I thought the characters were a little bland. They do try to make a, a dramatic core with them, mm-hmm. but I never really felt attached to very many of them. Like, if I was, I think the movie would have hit very much, like more like with me than it did yeah it doesn't give you a lot of time with the characters it does it gives you all time with characters and it sets up all their past and everything like that and there's like the sacrificial element with them but it never does any it doesn't connect you see i you know i don't know if this was a theater we're in i i had a hard time understanding the movie there's a lot of sound elements i I think the theater was poor yeah yeah um which is weird uh, because i Oh no! I went to Levis Commons yeah. the week prior, not to Fallen yeah. Timbers. But I mean, I mean, it was like there was a lot. Like when you're watching the movie and listening to the movie, there's a lot of things competing for your attention. There's the character dialogue. There's the music. There's a lot of sound elements, like like the air shaking, people speaking over the radio, and it was just like all this is going on so much. And I, I'm trying to focus on what the characters are saying. And like everything just kind of came across really kind of muffled. And so like for the it took a while for me to like get used to the noise of the movie yeah. for me to understand what they were saying. I couldn't really understand the dialogue either because they're like they're in mask. There's yeah. there's like sound effects and blasts going on. And I don't know if it's intentional, but also they talk a lot and it's all backstory and like stuff where you're supposed to understand the characters, but I couldn't hear anything. Like it's right. like oh, no, 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 dog. You're like, "What? I don't Yeah, you know, cuz they're they're in their scuba gear, which the scuba gear looks really cool. Um you know, so yeah. all, the, all their dialogue is like, and I'm like, ah. But then there's, there's sounds everywhere, too. Yeah, and like, like I deal with enough of this at work. I, I don't want to fucking, like, put energy into listening to this movie, but... Um, uh. I also thought that some of the performances were less frantic than they should have been. I understand that these people are calm and collected, but mm-hmm. even T.J. Miller's character, he's more like the comic relief. All right, guys, let's get this done, and we're going to die anyways. And it's just like, nah. Was he autistic or something? Like, what was up with the bunny? <laughs> he was weird. There was okay. a bunny thing, and it just never really came. 
you know, he was kind of a strange character. I don't know if he worked fully. Like, the thing is, like, I was talking about this, like, um, I don't think there's ever been good comedic characters that really landed 100% since the 80s, if that makes sense. Because, yeah. Yeah. like, Palmer and The Thing. Like, Palmer is kind of a comedy element in The Thing, but you're still kind of freaked out by Palmer. You still think he could be a threat. But his You Gotta Be Fucking Kidding Me feels legit. Because I, and he wasn't like, Oh no! He didn't. He didn't do it over the top. He right. was terrified in himself, but he had to say it like that to him. It just like it also got everyone's attention to look over to make sure they were. He was seeing what he was seeing. Like I don't know. I just don't land a lot of the comedic beats in the in, in newer films with the comedic characters in a serious situation. Not saying he did poorly. It's just saying that I never really connected with any of these characters. I did like the lead. I guess I liked her the best. I liked her, the but best. unfortunately, this movie also does a thing where it's like, oh, I think these guys are the most interesting, or these people are. Let's get rid of them first. Yeah, and then let's keep the bland characters that are. Based Basically, um, only <laughs> their only like kind of character traits are their relationship statuses mm-hmm. with the other characters. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I enjoy it. It was good, and I'm glad I saw it in theaters. The special effects were really good, especially it's, yeah. There was CGI, and people were like, ah, CGI, but. It was really well done, and unlike The Marshes, when it was dark, I could still see a lot, and it was creepy, and it worked for that kind of movie. Um, the CGI monsters look really cool, um, mm-hmm. and that last act goes somewhere where I didn't expect it to go, and I was like, thank God, that just saved this freaking movie. Right. It really did, and I thought that was great. Also, I didn't care for the newspaper clippings at the end and beginning. I guarantee that was a studio note where they were like, oh, we need some closure. People need closure. <laughs> they gotta have it. Those people can't think. Those didn't bother me so much. I mean, yeah. Just let it let it ride. We don't need a hundred percent closure. Let it ride. Good movie though, and uh, check it out when it hits Blu-ray DVD. I don't think you'll be able to see it in theaters now at this point because it's come out later. But I, I enjoyed it. I liked it. Um, good stuff. And uh, I know people cancel. Uh, T.J. Miller, I guess, did mm-hmm. something like domestic abuse years back. So it just came to light. So everybody's basically like cancel culture. Won't go see it because he's in it. And it's just like if we're not seeing movies because one bad person or one bad thing somebody did or something. I don't know the case. Maybe he is a piece of shit. But still at this point, it's just like, Who's T.J. dude, Miller? that's like not buying a product because – you know, I'm never eating chocolate again because Jeffrey Dahmer worked at a chocolate factory. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it, you can't do that. You can't live your life like that. Did you work at a chocolate factory? Yeah. Oh. Dahmer did at one point. Ooh. I'm just saying things like that. So it's just a uh, good, <coughs> good movie, though. Would recommend it. Uh, good special effects. The set design was really great. Yeah. And a horrible, horrible situation to be in. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, uh, I don't know how I feel about it. I, I would pass on it. Like, I would never... Seek out to watch it, but it's, I don't think it's a movie that's really geared towards me. There are some neat stuff in it for sure, but I've seen this movie. I'd, I'd rather watch um, Deep Star Six. What's Pam Greer? Leviathan. No, Pam Greer is a ghost. You're talking about Ghost of Mars. I'd rather watch Ghost of Mars. There's a lot of movies like this: Deep Star Six, Endless Descent, Leviathan. Mm -hmm. Just you know, Descent, Descent. um, Alien. There's a lot of similarities. This is a genre in itself. It's not. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a ripoff. It's just you know, it's a it's an age timeless thing. You know, scared of the under what's under the water, what's in space, what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm glad a monster movie like this got a significant budget. I wish it did well. I hope it does. You know, I want more monster movies, and it was cool. I got to give you know. If you want more like this, maybe they'll have to be one masterpiece or something. Maybe you'll get a thing or something. But, you know, the thing flopped, so what What the hell do audience know? In 20 years, maybe Underwater will be the new thing. I, I highly doubt it, but it will still be good. The new 
thing or Vinu thing. I don't know what the hell that means. Next review. It's a pen. Listen carefully. You are now 5,000 miles from land, and you're descending seven miles to the bottom of the ocean. See you all in a month. Here we go. We're gonna do this, let's do this. One to ten. How bad's my rig? A ten. We drilled to the bottom of the ocean, and we don't know what came out. Gotta get to the station. How will we even get there? We walk. We're just gonna walk with insufficient oxygen across the bottom of the ocean. You don't know what's out there. Worst idea ever! Turn your lights off. Guys, this next one is kind of a sequel versus remake segment. And uh, Chris uh, Rivers gave me um, Tale of Two Sisters, the Korean flick, and the American remake in 2009, The Uninvited. Uh, I surprisingly hadn't seen either of these movies. The Tale of Two Sisters I had been on my radar for years. Um, and this was, what, 2003, 2004? Was it 2003, earlier? Yeah. I think. Is this based off a story, a book, or something like that? I don't think it's based off a book. It might be. I feel like it is, but I don't know. It's like it has been aired of one, but I think would fit well into a book. But I, I don't know. This is actually the first Korean movie I ever seen way yeah. back in the day. Um, skip this review because we can't talk about this movie without spoilers, especially if we're going to be talking about the remake because I want to talk about some of the differences and everything like that. So skip this review because I don't think I can talk about it without doing any spoilers. So uh, Skip this review if you haven't seen it. Yeah, but if, if you, you have seen it, watch this review. Skip it. Skip Or skip <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, All yeah. right, so The Tale of Two Sisters, it follows the story of two sisters. Okay, sort yeah. of. <laughs> they return. They return home. 
Um, you get the impression that something traumatic or tragic has happened to them. They return to their isolated home with their father and a nurse who is in a relationship with their father. You find out that the mother had recently passed away and there is some definite mental illness going on between, I think, almost the entire freaking family. There also seems to be at times supernatural aspects. Uh, geez, boy, oh boy, this is a weird one. And when you watch it, you'll try to guess and guess what's going on. And then when you, the ending comes, you'll think, duh, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And you want to go back and rewatch it. And I think that it would be, and then, then when I did watch the remake, Knowing the twist, although I think the remake hides it very poorly compared right. to the original, I was like, okay, this is almost like a little corny in the remake with that. Yeah. Do we want to talk about the twist now versus the okay. original versus the remake? Because I got some let's, things. Let's talk some positives okay. um, about A Tale of Two Sisters. It's well acted. Mm -hmm. It's well shot. The house looks great. The location's great. Um, has some genuine creepy moments, and uh, it's one of these rare movies where it's psychological and supernatural, and it mm -hmm. only becomes supernatural after the psychological aspects are fully disclosed. Right. So it's kind of amazing in that aspect once you think about it, because you're watching it and you're like, this is all psychological, and you write off anything supernatural until you realize that the, the psychological aspects are kind of done being explored and something supernatural happens. And I thought that was unique, and I didn't really register that 110% until the ending. Right. Actually, the supernatural element, I... I, I both ignored it the first time I seen it, and I ignored it the second time I seen it because it just happened so quick. And that, like, the, and the movie ends so shortly after that it never like. Well, the twist in the film, in mm -hmm. the original film here, is that there is only one sister alive. The other sister died at the same time the mother died. The mother killed herself. The original sister tried to help, got killed as well. The nurse saw it. Didn't do anything about it because she wanted to be with the husband anyways. And eventually is has repercussions from the ghost at the very end. <laughs> so saying that while you're watching this, you and they do unveil things and show things to you. But you never know 100% how much the nurse is actually in the house. Like, I don't, in the original one, I feel like she's barely there. Right. While the remake, I feel like she's still there. Mm -hmm. Because this is a movie about split personalities or multiple personalities, and our main character has two extras, one of which she actually becomes and hurts herself in, which is really weird and kind of unique. It kind of blew my mind. Like I was sitting there, like arguing and questioning it. Remember that? Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's a split personality. It is split personality. Movie. It's, it's, it's a, a, it is. There's three personalities. She has three personalities. We we can't. I looked it up. I, I, I know. I actually looked at the definition up, and it's the same thing. I just have a hard time believing there's such a thing as real split personality. It's so rare. Right. It, it right. mostly only exists in film. Like people like Andre Bianchi um, from the Hillside Stranglers. They were like, "That's bullshit. There's no way he had that. He made that up on the spot." Or Gacy said he had it, and they mm -hmm. said that's bullshit. Or um, who was somebody else? Uh, uh, David Berkowitz said the dog told him to do it. Now he was actually. That's more like a um, schizophrenia. Yeah, because think... the daughter is remembering things that she did, but as she's, somebody else. But she's remembering them as someone else. She's not acting. She was acting as them, but she remembers them as someone right, else. So right. she is a split personality, but she somehow has the memories of her getting beat. It's similar to high tension. When right. you argue with high tension, and 
people will always claim high tension, reliable, na- unreliable narrator. And mm-hmm. I'd like to rewatch that one because I remember the ending. I was like, I don't care how crazy you are. You can't be at two places at one time. But if she's remembering something in a different way, I can kind of understand that. Well, watching this movie helps me understand that a little bit more. But again, um, world's worst father. Yeah, he ain't great. Father's a piece of shit. Such, mm-hmm. In fact, the father in both films is absolute garbage. Like, your wife dies. Your kid, and then you remarry shortly after. Like, dude, so selfish, I think. So selfish. I, I Well, here's the thing. Like, I don't know if the nurse and the father were in the original. In the original. It, like, like, it's hard for me to, like... I think so. Because in the flashback they were. But I, after the initial tragedy, I don't think they went on with it. It feels like they ended it there. Right. But it feels like she might be because like you think that at the very end of that film, she returns mm-hmm. to the home, right? Right. And the ghost attacks her. You think if she was there immediately right away, like there the whole time the ghost would have attacked her. So maybe she was never there, but it feels like she had to be there at one point. No, I mean, I mean, I don't think that, that you see what I'm saying though here with this, I see what you're saying with that, but when we're, when we're talking about the father, um, and the nurse and their relationship prior to the mother dying. I don't know if there was like an affair situation going on. I think so because the the nurse seemed to have a cold spot. I think in the flashback they show something that is going on. Right. I see. I, I can't exactly remember, but like it looks like either the daughter or the mother, one of them, was sick, and that's why the nurse is there in the first the place. Is it the mom that's sick and then uh, yeah. she? Yeah. So I don't know. She kills herself because she finds out about the affair. Um, or, or she's sick. Or she's just I think there is sick. an affair, and I think that helps her why she commits suicide. It, it, I think it does help. And really, if there is a book based off, or if this is based off a book, it's probably explained clearer, I, I, I think. might be confusing it with Turning of the Screw, which was made into like several movies, so I, I, I can't remember. Right. I feel like it is, or Tale of Two Cities, which is just... Uh, the Tale of Two Cities <laughs> is French Just the Revolution. name, the name, the name, yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. But um, I, I think it's a good movie. I would like to rewatch it. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of good. There's long shots in here too, and that's always good for a kind of a haunting, uh, you know, scene or whatever. Well done long takes and everything like that. The acting's good, and it's a super bizarre story where if you don't know the twist, it's going to be kind of. You might guess some of it, but I don't think you'll guess all of it. Like, because I don't think you'll be able to put like two and two and two and two together. You know, mm-hmm. I guess one of those movies where you think you know what's going on, but you might not know a hundred percent. Like when the lady falls on her back and sees underneath the kitchen table, right. you were like, Oh, she just saw the, the porcelain doll that the girl carries right. around and beats. Um, but it wasn't the case actually. Right. She actually saw the ghost. Well, yeah. and I thought that was just like the, the beaten up doll, <laughs> which, which is super funny sense. to me. Right. Right. That she's carrying around a porcelain doll and beating it. I'm like, okay, we're going to the hospital. Right. When I see that, right. Her dad's leaving her alone. Her dad's just not caring. Her dad, he's just, he's a broken character too, but I just have no sympathy for him, really. More so in this one than the the, the remake. You think he, you have more sympathy for him in the remake? The original. Oh, in the original. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. The remake, I had no sympathy for. So, um, let's roll the trailer to the tale of two. Well, do you have anything else you want to say about it? You think it's a good movie? I do. I think, yeah. I mean, I think this is the first Korean movie I've ever seen, um... And I seen this before. I'd ever seen like Ring or Grudge or Those really Japanese, any of though. the. Well, I mean, like any Japanese. of like the Asian in yeah. general horror. Um, and I always liked it. Um, I'd seen I think like two or three times when it came out. Um, but like no one ever talked about it, so I'm like, well, maybe it's not that good. No. I don't know. I'm it not. Had, an it had a big. It, had, it was kind of a big movie yeah. at one point. It, I think it did very well in Korea. But let's uh, roll the trailer to that, and then we'll mm-hmm. talk a little bit about the Uninvited. Yeah.
아들이 집에 내려오고 나서부터 이상해. 누가 방을 떠나갔어. remake of uh the tale of two sisters they americanized it and the very beginning like i remember the nightmare sequences i was like oh that's so like the couple scenes i was like that's so cheesy and so but foreshadowing mm-hmm. and everything like that um the father's so much worse in this one the the nurse character is so much more prevalent and in the house for sure mm-hmm. and the split personality is there but it only concerns the sister i think more so and there is a split personality or a disconnect or like a, a, a split personality within her mind of how the nurse is. Mm-hmm. But she must be controlling the nurse's actions with herself as well. Like this one I think is less triple personality than Tale of Two Sisters is. Right. This Could- one is like... At no point... Like... like and it, I think it's because I watched the original, so, yeah. so I know the twist ahead of yeah, time. Me too. Um, but it's super obvious in this one. Right. Like, is the nurse evil, or is the nurse, is the sister, or is the daughter just full on, just like projecting it? There like, is points here where I uh, really did think the nurse was evil, and I thought they were only going to do the yeah. one twist. But they do do end up doing a couple twists in here, mm-hmm. and the one the one twist, I, I, I'm not sure if I loved it or not. Because I don't think that her subconscious behavior would manifest itself into a killer. Because she knows what she did subconsciously through her dreams. Right. And what happened with the mother and the sister. She subconsciously was responsible for it. So she basically manifests into a nurse character who actually does exist to carry out the crimes, blaming it on someone else. And I just have a hard time believing that the subconscious nature of someone would actually do that I'm, I'm maybe there is cases like that but can your subconscious actually create a split personality or your guilt i i mean but to cover up your crimes that's because she was doing that right it's it's one of those things where it's like i when i'm watching these kinds of movies i don't put too much faith into the science or reality of it unless i like the movie expects me to, and I don't think that this movie is asking you to to know that much about, like you know, like yeah. psychology or whatever it may be. I hate the father in this movie. He's a scum. Yeah. He's, he's a stupid fucker, and he's never around when he should be. 
Um, and he actually was cheating on his wife. Yeah, and he actually was it's... having the affair 110% and went on with it after it ended and didn't hide it from anyone. Um, the nurse, I don't know what was really the nurse or what really was the bad, you know what I mean? Because generally you're supposed to think she's okay, I guess. But I still don't like her because most of the stuff I've seen of her was actually fake her. Yeah, yeah, you see a lot of fake nurse. The daughter, like like the imaginary daughter, is so disconnected from any other character except the daughter right and she's so like loud and boisterous where in the original the daughter was quiet very quiet which makes more sense so it made sense why like she didn't really interact with any of the family members in the remake the daughter's like ah, bah, 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 and like and everybody just ignores her and i'm like it's obvious then. it's so obvious unless the nurse isn't there either and she's literally just standing in the kitchen with just no one beating <laughs> a porcelain and doll then, and then there's no porcelain doll in the <laughs> nobody no. says anything to her which makes it even worse because her father's mm-hmm. not there but at the same time it makes a lot more sense in the original yeah, the both of them had just got out of the hospital, so you think they both have psychological problems. Right, and this right. one, only one gets out of the hospital, and the other daughter is supposed to be normal, but she seems even more messed up. I don't think in this one they really tend to hide that the daughter's fake. I can't see it. I think that they think you expect that the daughter's fake. I think so. Because at that point it's a remake, and I think they're expecting it. Um, for most of the audience. I don't know if that's the case or not. But if it isn't the case, they did a poor job. And plus, I don't know if I can give a legitimate opinion because I had just seen the original before and it was just so obvious. Right. And I think the reveal in the original is kind of like, oh, and the reveal in this, and again, we know it, but it's like literally like 30 seconds for the movie ends. It's like, like, She's been dead for the whole... Like, it's like the... We know um, it, though. But then the other one, they do it like with a half an hour left. Yeah, yeah. It's um, like the what? Oh, what is that? Like fact or fiction or beyond belief? Beyond belief? belief? <laughs> yeah, like you has been dead for 17 years. It's like, oh, yeah. no! And every story that was like good-hearted <laughs> and beyond belief was fiction. And every right. story that was cruel was fact. It's like, the Boogeyman story. Yeah? Now that was fact. Like, what are you talking about? Kids got killed by a boogie? What? That doesn't make any right, sense. That's not right. fact. That doesn't make any sense. Um, Old I... man picking a tractor <laughs> off his daughter to save her life. is like, that was fiction. It's like... right. Okay. The my the one thing I did like about this remake, and it's a really stupid scene, it's when she sees her mom's ghost and she's just the goddamn sea witch. Like oh, I she like about that. rises up in like in the boathouse, she's like, Avenge my dad She says like, that, doesn't she? Yeah, she's like covered in seaweed. I'm like, what the fuck? What is this creep show? Yeah, she's like <laughs> like you belong in like one of the fucking pirates movies or something. So I don't know why you're show. here. Yeah, like, and, and then it's like... I could hold my breath a right. long time. Uh, the gr- the very ending twist actually bumped this up from, like, a bad rating to a, a decent rating for yeah. me. Because I was like, oh, no, they did that with the door. I like it. Mm-hmm. They tie back into the mental institution. And I actually enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. I do think they made a mistake about not having the uh, the daughter with her in the original mental institution in the beginning. Because in, in this one, because if both of them are in a mental institution, you can kind of guess. But that they both weren't, it's like, eh. Because the original, right. they pulled a car up. We never see anything in the original of them at the mental institution. Do we see one second? Yeah, but it's like a scene where he's talking. But I like... feel like that's even afterwards. It's further on. I think that's actually after what happened in the original of the events of the movie. I'm not following. I think that happens chronologically the last thing is her in the uh, oh maybe yeah in the original yeah well this one i think that like they show her in the hospital i think they should have just done the thing with the pull-up car too 
Yeah. Um, the the police, uh, the guy in the store that bald guy is in a million movies. Mm-hmm. He cracked me up. Um, and the guy who plays kind of her boyfriend is the um, he's in a bunch of stuff. He's actually in Tucker and Dale versus Evil, where he plays the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a part where the cop, the sheriff, does probably one of the dumbest things I've ever seen, where literally someone shows up to you and they're telling you that someone's trying to kill you, and even if they are crazy, you don't call that person to come pick them up. Right. And that was just such a poor... He should have said he should have put her in the cell and called her father and waited for the father, even if it was going to be 24 hours, or called a family member. That was such a poor, dumb excuse for a cop. And actually, that cop should probably lose his job for that. That was such a dumb thing. He basically caused the death of one person right there. Yeah, With his shitty, dumb actions of fucking moronic police work. Yeah. And it was so dumb. Like, and the cop looked like, they, they play it like the cop's going to believe her, and then the cop, it's just like bullshit. Mm-hmm. The cop did such a dumb thing, I thought he was in on it. Yeah. Like, it was such a poorly written thing. Like, I don't buy it, man. I just don't buy it. Especially because the movie has the whole small town feel to yeah. it. Like, everybody knows each other. Um, and they all travel by boat, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like Point Place, where I was from. Right. <laughs> But this one does incorporate the boathouse a little bit more. and makes sense. Yeah. Because people just didn't... In the original, though, they, did they have a boathouse? Just she was a nice lady. Just a room. dock. Yeah. 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 There's a scene in the original where we're on a dock. It's like in the beginning of the movie and they're just talking. Um, it's like a little pond. It's not like... Versus in the remake that it's all like cottage housing and they all... Original's you know, better. Oh, by far. Yeah. So. I mean, you should watch this one. Like, only just watch the Sea Witch part. No. And then it, It's kind okay. of fun to compare them. Yeah, it is. Uh, but you can see why people hate it on American remakes. Because mm-hmm. it's kind of, in a way, it's dumbed down. The, and the um, uh, twists are more blunt. The mom in this, he said, was also the mom in Brightburn? Was she? No, the uh, nurse in the here nurse, was the, the nurse. mom in Brightburn. Yeah. yeah. Bright, and she, did, she does good. The nurse does good. You know, I didn't like her in Brightburn. I didn't like her in this. And I feel like she's always talking down. You didn't like her personally? Or you thought, did you think she did a good job? But she just you just hate her? No, I don't know. I think she did a terrible job. Really? Yeah, I, th- I feel like the way that she was talking con- to little boy in Brightburn was like condescending. Yeah, very patronizing. Like, oh, it's okay, sweet. And then she's doing the same thing in this movie. Like, oh, it's okay. I know you're crazy, but you can wear my pearls. It's like, okay, it's really weird. Well, I, I don't it makes know. Makes sense. She's a little off. Yeah, both those movies, I think, somewhat. Yeah, she is. So, um, I I like the original. I think that the remake is not as bad as you might think. So, right. See which? Not, not I as mean, good. Yeah. You done. I'm done. Why can't I remember what happened that night? You lost your mother in the fire. Maybe it's not such a bad thing to forget. Go home. You'll figure it out. Alex! Oh, I missed you so much. I assume you saw Dad's new girlfriend. I'm so glad to have you back. I hope it works out so you can stay. And I'm sorry, I meant to tell you about Rachel. When did she move in? A month ago. She's helping him cope. Three times a night. Listen, Anna, I know that you're supposed to hate Dad's new girlfriend, but I'm really hoping that we can make this work. Your daughter got it in her mind somehow that your fiance killed the family she worked for. Look at this.
We need to find out who Rachel Summers really is. I want you to think about whether or not you are ready to be part of this family. You know what, Anna? I don't think this is going to work out. You're next! I thought that I was dreaming, but I wasn't. Look! Okay, now I'm afraid. Pretty little Anna. You're not gonna ruin this for me. do hammer time episode 38 and this is directed by peter zazdy who did taste the blood of dracula um this is countess dracula starring ingrid pitt from vampire lovers and i uh, didn't really recognize anyone else in this one this is based on no? the true life uh case of i guess it's not even a case it's so old i can't right. know if there's a legend case file for it. yeah legend myth uh, of uh, elizabeth bathory Mm-hmm. who used to bathe in the blood of virgins to keep her youth. Um, I don't even know if that's true, but she was a monster nonetheless. And, right. Uh, what, re- what really happened to her was also kind of unique, what happened to her, her fate. So Ingrid Pitt stars as the Bathory woman, and she's old and getting decrepit, and she's miserable and unhappy. Mm-hmm. Uh, right in the first five minutes of this movie, like she's driving through her husband just died. She's driving through the village and these peasants are like, your husband promised me work. And they're all like terrible and disease ridden probably and miserable. And one jumps on her carriage asking for like work mm-hmm. and he falls off and gets ran over right off the bat. <laughs> and she's just like, she doesn't move. She doesn't flinch mm-hmm. a muscle right there. Sets the, the, the precursor for how awful she actually is. Right. Um, and kind of, uh, there's also like a colonel that's around, or the general, or whatever his name yeah. is. Yeah, Adobe, Adobe, Adobe. They're reading like the um, will, and Adobe is basically given certain things. But there's a young man who's given a bunch, uh, the stables and all the mm-hmm. horses, and he was the son of um, a war the friend. father's best friend. Yeah, who was like a general or something that saved his life numerous times. So he gets a bunch of stuff. Elizabeth Bathory seems to have a thing for him. The young man mm-hmm. and through uh right in the beginning she's kind of like arguing and being mean to a servant and her she gets cut and the blood lands on um the countess mm-hmm. and her skin because ingrid pitt plays both roles young and old it gets on her and she realizes that it's going to make her young 
Right. So she demands that her maid and Dolby bring her there, and you know what happens after that. She becomes young and sexy. Right. And she has her eyes set on that young man. Although Dolby has his eyes set on her. Right. Yeah. There is a so weird love triangle here. Yeah. And fantastic you, love triangle. And then you add a complicated thing because the daughter of Countess mm-hmm. of Bathory is coming back into town. And so she hires this weird uh, Turkish guy. Yeah, like a Turk or a Turk Cossack, to, I'm not something sure. like that. Some somebody from the Ottoman Empire, or some shit. Right. To because uh, it's way back in the day to kidnap um, her daughter and hold her there so she can act as her daughter. Right. But, of course, kind of like uh, the Rejuvenatrix that movie, Rejuvenator. She needs more and more blood, and it doesn't last as long, and she looks older when it wears off. So Dolby starts to, you know, and and help her bring bodies and everything like that. Mm-hmm. It is a vampire story, it's somewhat, but it's a little different. It's kind of a twisted story, too. And what really is really gross and kind of perverse is that Ingrid Pitt, she'll be like, really, like when she's the Countess, old, she'll be almost motherly to mm-hmm. um, the young man that she's going to marry. And then when she's the young, she'll have like sexual relations with him. So there's like, it almost feels like this gross, self-incestuous thing. Oh, yeah. Like, um, you know, because he wants to marry... The daughter. The daughter. Um, and then so he has to go and ask the mother for permission. And the Countess is like, like, oh, yes, you can, my son. And she like... Holds him. He's like, you know that they were just plowing each other like 30 minutes prior. And, and, and he has no idea. He has no idea. Um, um, acting's great in this one. Ingrid Pitt does amazing. And they dubbed her, too. I can't believe they I know, her. and I wish that we could watch an undubbed version if anything like she that She still does tremendous exists. in it, though. Um, her physical acting, I mean, That's I don't great. know about her. I don't know if she dubbed, if that was her that was dubbed or if it was a different actress. Cause yeah, it was I think the same it was different. I think it was a different one. So they dubbed her, and the voice sim- sounds similar to her own, so they, they had no yeah. reason for it. Um, but, like, her physical acting, like, being old and young, like, when she's old, like, I almost think it's a different person sometimes. The um, makeup's not great, but, yeah. The makeup, the makeup's not great. Um, I I think it does its job. But, it does its job. Um, it's, like, 1971 You know, but she's, 72, like, 72. Like, like, hunching around, and, like, I'm, like, she's just so much it's fun just to watch. scary, too. And she is scary, yeah. Especially, um... And, and what did I say when we were watching this? I said, you know that old story about Hellraiser where somebody suggested right. what would the title be, what a woman would do for a good fuck? This is pretty much the story of Countess Perverse as well. Yeah. Because <laughs> that what she would do, you know. Um, I, I, I think, like, the most, like, there's two memorable scenes, like, like that just stick in my head. Like, the one is with her um, young... And she, like, has the giant sponge, and she's, like, like in the bathtub of all the blood, and she, like, turns around. I, I really like that image. And then I liked it when she was the old countess at the wedding with the sword. And and I'm just like, this is so badass. Like, I am in love with this movie. And, and you know, it's not... Some people are like, this isn't a horror movie. It is, like, a gothic yeah, horror story, it, it, for yeah. sure. I mean, there's supernatural shit going on. You don't... You can't wipe blood on you and get younger. Okay? Right. We don't even know why that happens. Well, it's because it, she's a virgin. What? Yeah. If you, oh yeah, yeah. They're virgin blood. blood. It has to be virgin. Blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's one part that actively made me really sick to my stomach. Back in the day, like when he goes to the market, Doby goes to the market, and there's mm-hmm. these women that are like presenting oh. themselves to be sold as like sex uh, slaves, and this old creepy guy's like, "Hey, buy one, buy him." And then he's like, "What about the girl with the goat?" And there's like this kind of like really like kind of shy girl with this goat who's like four, this guy like twelve to fourteen, mm-hmm. and he says, "What about her?" Has she ever had sex? Um, and he says, no, who'd want to? He's like, I'll buy her. 
and you know he's just taking her to be like blood sacrifice right. and it's just so sick like you don't even show her die but just her walking away with her goat he said the goat is 25 and she comes with right. it and it's just like jesus christ like again like such an awful time period to be in and such a horrible thing to do to somebody and like the bad guys are bad they're yeah, trash they are um the librarian i think is a fantastic character he's good too he gets he catches on right um they, they do a hint that the whole family is like like secretly witches at one point um like the Baffrey or whatever Baffrey Baffrey um that like like they've descended from witches and so that's where like they have like all like the occult books yeah cuz they have a huge um, library and even like like progressively throughout the film there's like the kitchen staff or like the castle staff and they're like you know obviously their daughters are missing and they're like like, oh, it's 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 the Countess, she's a witch, she's no good, we gotta get out of here. But it wouldn't make sense if it was the Bathory's that had the the ancient, because she's married to a Bathory. Oh, I, I don't know. I don't, you I know mean, what I'm saying? But they're blue-blooded, too, at the yeah. same time. Maybe she's self, and, you know. Right. I mean, they're, they, they're probably all interbred. I mean, they, they, they say that, that, that they are, you know, witches in, in the movie, or descended from witches. So she may not be aware, because she seems quite surprised that the blood made her young. Yeah, but her side of the family isn't a Bathory. Yeah. I Was her know. last name even Bathory in this? I don't, I don't know. remember. I know, but it's based on that case. Okay. Yeah. But uh, regardless, it's an um, uh, excellent movie. I really mm -hmm. liked it. Super downbeat, too. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Really downbeat. Yeah. Uh, Dolby's great. He's intimidating, but he's also, uh, like, he wants to marry the Countess when she's old. So we have basically two people competing for it. Mm -hmm. um, it's perverse, too, man. Like I said, that dive after Vampire Lovers, it's just like, eh, let's just go into it. Right, right. And they didn't slow down after that. And it kind of reminds me a bit of one that would come up later called Dr. Jekyll's Sister Hyde. Because she's basically playing two roles. You know what I mean? And Dr. Jekyll's sister Hyde is basically Ralph Bates as Dr. Jekyll, but when he drinks a serum, he turns into, like, a, a woman. Oh. So he's basically going back and forth and keeping up these fronts like she is. And R Ralph Bates is, and, um... The guy from Taste of Blood. And uh, Frankenstein, yeah, right? Yeah. The new Frankenstein. Yeah, so, um... The new basically, it's a doctor... It's, it's, you know, it's a Dr. Jekyll story, but, you know, yeah. a nutty professor, too. You know, kind of yeah. farcical, that one is more so, if I remember. Mm -hmm. Least comedic. This one, uh, I just really like this. It's very good. Oh, yeah. Very I, twisted, I like too. We're not going to see any more of Ingrid Pitt? Nope. Only two movies. That's a shame, because she's Yeah, she's fantastic. in The Wicker Man, though, which I've been trying to get you to watch for years. Not going to watch it. She's in it. Yeah. Come I got on. all the time. And the Christopher world. Lee's in it too. Chris, I've seen enough Christopher Lee. I don't have to see another Christopher I Lee. I begged him. <laughs> um, next week is Lust of the Vampire, which is the second in the Karstein trilogy. And this book right here is John Stanley's Creature Features. And mm -hmm. we have Countess Dracula. There's another movie called Countess Dracula, aka The Legend of Blood Castle, which is a Spanish horror film. But here we go. Countess Dracula, 1970, based on the Valentine Penrose's historical study, The Bloody Countess. This hammer slammer written by Jeremy Paul tells a story, true story, in parentheses, mm -hmm. a uh, story of, not parentheses, but, you know, quotations, story of Countess Elizabeth Bathory, who in the 16th century slaughtered virgins in her dungeons and bathed in their blood. Meanwhile, cop Nigel Green investigates the corpses littering the countryside. Not for the squeamish. Directed by Peter Sesby, Leslie Ann Down, Maurice Denham. Uh, really like it. Like I said, I'd probably go seven and a half to eight on it. 
I'd give it like four, honestly. Yeah, like eight. I've been yeah. coming around there too. It's definitely mm-hmm. one of the better ones. See, and it's funny because people like, ah, Hammer started to get really shitty in the late 60s and early 70s. I'm like, that's why I think they were getting their best. Well, we did Not watch always. some turds re- like prior to this. Horror Frankenstein. Horror Frankenstein. I didn't, Frankenstein. I didn't care for it. I didn't like 3 million BC. Oh, well, that one BC. was earlier. That was 66? Yeah, we, we watched that one late. We so. watched that one out of order. Um, so I, this one was refreshing because I think that there was a point where once we got out of the science fiction stuff, I was like, and it was mostly just gothic horror and like family psychodrama. I'm like, oh boy. The last three have all been good though. <laughs> yeah, the last three have been pretty good. Vampire, Vampire Lovers, Circus. Vampire Circus, and Countess Dracula. Yeah. Um, what's next week? Lust of the Vampire. I don't know what that one is. That's a Karstein. Oh, Ralph oh maybe we'll find too. out who that. Um... We ain't gonna. One could hope. All right, well, that's good. Let's roll the trailer. Bye. Oh, wait, no. Uh, what else? Uh, I want to let you guys know that there's a link below for the letterbox listing of all 60 of these movies in order of what we watch, and we're going to add an anniversary sometime, too. So if you guys want to look at that letterbox list, uh, go ahead and click it. Also, next year, I decided we decided that instead of doing like a, like a universal whore or a company like Vinegar Syndrome, which I'll be keeping up on anyways, we're going to do something where we each pick 26 kind of classic horror films that I haven't seen. I'm picking 26. You're picking 26. That's 52. Right. We're going to do a year of that. And we'll go back and forth, starting with Carrie, which Jeremy hasn't seen. And then right. go, they'll do one of mine. And I've only seen the one, nine of Jeremy's picks, too. So And Jeremy's seen none of my picks. One of my picks. I think I've seen one. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's a listing of that too i'll list that below so it starts with carrie which i've seen of course and then it will do one of mine so if you're looking at the list jeremy me jeremy me and they're in order from what we'll do them right and i I apologize for my list i'm so sorry jeremy picked a lot of sci-fi a lot of sci-fi a lot of 50s sci-fi tarantula there i I, I, (laughs) yeah i argued with you about tarantula i was like um i understand that you've already seen godzilla but you're not picking them, which is like the initial ripoff of Godzilla. You're picking off Tarantula, I think, which is a ripoff of them. I think them came first. It's like, I don't know. I want to watch Tarantula because when you're playing Final Fantasy VIII and, and like the opening when you have to fuck that giant robot spider, he's like crawling through like the Parisian town. I'm like, that's a neat scene. I bet this is from a movie. Oh, it's from Tarantula. Let's watch Tarantula. Oh, that's why. I see. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of embarrassing stuff that neither of us have seen on yeah. there. Stuff like Repulsion and The Tenant and Picnic at Hanging Rock for me. And stuff like... What's what's the one that's... Um, what's I Live and Die by the Crystals? Galaxy of Terror? What's oh, the opposite Galaxy of Terror? Forbidden World or Forbidden, forbidden Planet? World. You picked all of them. I picked Forbidden he Planet, picked, Forbidden he, World, and Fantastic, Fantastic Planet. <laughs> So yeah, like I'm just like <coughs> the the worst movie you picked on your list is Forbidden World, the one the the Corman one. Like yes. it's the bad one of the Galaxy of Dino, uh, Terror double feature. So I mean, whatever. But I've seen that one, of course. But I guess we'll let you guys go. Yeah. Bye. Johnny. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the ugliest of them all? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? Woman. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Ah! Who's the most terrifying of them all? The Countess
changed so much? As a flower changes from bud to bloom, past recognition. There once was a countess, young and fair, with tender skin and flaxen hair. Oh, countess, how do you keep your looks? What secrets in these ancient books? The book! What book? The chapter on blood sacrifices. Please help me. I don't know what's happened to me. Say it, lovely. Say it. Yes. Yes, yes, I love you. Yes. Don't you realize that you get uglier each time you get old? And you can't go on killing forever? Why not? That woman embodies all the virtues. Mistress, friend, and mother in one, does such a woman exist? <gasps> you know she knows. <laughs> Do your lovers know how you cling to youth? Dare you tell them the dreadful truth? These walls could tell, but cannot speak of the sudden cry, the muffled shriek. Dobie. Where is she? Look at me, Dobie. Look at me. And what will your daughter say? She arrives tomorrow, and she'll find you as young as she is. Hold me. No. Blood. Whose blood? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the most terrifying of them all? The Countess Dracula. Julie! Have I changed so much? I don't know what's happened to me. Blood. Whose blood? Devil woman. Okay, let's hop into these questions. Dan the Cameraman, another great video, Dave. Have a few questions for you. Uh, are you going to Cinema Wasteland in April? It'll be my first time going, and I'm super excited. Of course. I will see you there. Make sure you say hi. Uh, do you find it more challenging to work as a director or an actor? Ah, oh, director. Way more challenging. And I, I, I did it on a budget, so, you know, I mean, it was very small. It wasn't like a big movie or anything like that, but it's just stressful because when you're making a movie, you know, for a couple grand and it's your movie, you're doing everything. Not everything, but you're doing a lot. You're doing producing, you're doing, you know, I mean, you're scheduling, you're directing, you know, you got to get it out to the thing. You got to watch the actors, which I probably didn't do as well as I should have. So you got to do so much. Uh, directing is way more stressful. As an actor, you know your lines, you show up, and it's fun. I don't like going and staying somewhere for a couple weeks sometimes or a, a week or so. That kind of is, is stressful to me. Or if you got to lose weight or you got to get in shape for the movie more so than you already are or something, that can be stressful. But I would rather acting's much easier. Off the top of your head, what do you think is a film of or films you bought the most editions of in your life? Ooh. It could be something very well that's not like a movie I love. Zombie. I just saw it there. I bought Zombie so many times. I had the original ink. I had a cheesy DVD. I had I meant VHS. Uh, like Woodhaven. Then I had an Anchor Bay VHS. And then I had the original Anchor Bay DVD. Then I had the reissue DVD. Then I had the Blue Underground uh, DVD, I think. And then I had the Shriek Show DVD. And then I had the Blue Underground Blu-ray. And then I had the triple set. So, I mean, I bought that movie like seven, eight times. You know, and I love Zombie, but still, it's Zombie. 
Um, Dungeon Studio. If you're a fan of War Notes, have you seen the movie Primetime? No, I have not. I, I'm not even sure if I've heard of that one. He appears in a bit, uh, the Charles Whitman in Inventational. Hilarious. I'll have to check that out. You can check out a digested version of the movie here. So cool. Uh, Nick Mua, if you ran off to join the circus, what job would you do? My money is on Strongman. I ain't that strong. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, maybe a carnival barker would be fun. I can talk. Oh, I'm trying to think of something I'd do. Maybe I'd want to do like one of those weird like freak shows where you're like half androgynous, like just shave half my face. I don't know. I have no idea. I wouldn't run away to join a circus. Uh, if you were a vampire, what powers would you like to have? Would you turn anyone else? I probably would turn someone else. Um, maybe somebody who had terminal cancer or something that um, I liked or would want to be around for a long time. Somebody that, you know, I maybe, maybe if you lose your soul and you turn evil, I would turn a bunch of people and just make them my slaves because you're awful like that when you're a vampire. But if you, you keep your conscience and everything, I would probably turn people that were going to die anyways that I liked that I felt could help. Um, and I would probably kill criminals. What powers would I like to have? You know, I'd want to stay young and I'd want to be able to fly, of course. And, uh, what else? Transform, fly, turn to smoke, stay young. Those guys, super strength, you know, speed, all of it. Give me all of it. Um, say you run into Gozer, Ghostbusters. What form would you take, have him take? Or would you try to trick him or her? Jeez. Gozer is the one that um, Sigourney Weaver is, right? I can't remember. I really don't know the details off the top of my head, how that works in that movie. I just remember the key and the key master at the end. And uh, I barely remember the details of Gozer and whatnot. So I, I'm not sure how to answer that question. Answers. We have some answers. I asked you what was the most embarrassing correction you ever received when it, in terms of a film. And Monster Movie Man 13, Morris, he sent me an email. Hey, Dave. My most embarrassing corrected moment came when I met C. Thomas Howell a couple years ago at Horcon, here where I live in Sacramento, California. I had him sign my one sheet at Hitcher poster when I noticed amidst all the photos he had on the tables, a glossy picture of he and Lori Laughlin. I made the comment to him that New Kids was one of my favorite forgotten gems and couldn't wait until they released it on Blu-ray. And hopefully they have loaded features... I loaded interviews and behind-the-scenes commentaries that hopefully he and she were a part of. I had talked up the movie a bit for a few more minutes with him, and he was gracious, but without a lot of input on the matter. I shook his hand and thanked him for my hitcher signature and walked away from his table. But a half an hour later, I was talking with my buddy who I went there with about meeting with him, when all of a sudden I felt this flood of stupid come over me. I'd seen the movie a dozen times, but forgot that actor Shannon Pesby was in the movie as Laurie's brother, not Howell. And C. Thomas Howell in that same year was an 80s teen comedy, Secret Admirer, with Laughlin. And that's why the picture was there, which I've also seen a few times as well. What a good sport, and was nice enough to not correct me after going on and on, but probably thought to himself, shut up already, idiot. Later I saw him and his son grabbing bites to eat by the food trucks outside of the venue and wanted to go correct myself and apologize, but figured, nah, I'll just chalk it up and leave it alone at this point. Damn, I hate when that happens. <laughs> that's a good story. Dan the Cameraman. As for the answer of the week, it may not be my biggest correction, but some friends and I do weekly trivia, and sometimes there are film categories. Usually I can do all right, but once they showed a movie clip, and without even thinking, I was very confident it was a scene from A Streetcar Named Desire. My teammate asked if I was confident. I said I was, and the clip turned out to be from On the Waterfront, Not My Finest Hour. Nick Mula. I used to think George Lazenby died right after one of the Bond movies he did. Also used to think Sean Astin was British, as I've only seen him in the Lord of the Rings movies. 
Lastly, and most embarrassing, I used to tell people that Tim Burton directed Nightmare Before Christmas and that Johnny Depp voiced Jack Skellington. My apologies to director Henry Selleck and actor Chris Sarandon. Matthew Hudson, while I'm not 100% sure I understand the question, a much more wiser man than I am once had to, with video evidence, prove to me that Cheswick doesn't commit suicide in the film version of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I wonder who that guy was, Matt. Uh, Matthew Hudson, but I did get to school my brother-in-law's friend once, who was dead fucking sure, uh, Basil Pollendorfus, the guy who did Robocop, said his name wrong, uh, wrote the music to Terminator. Got that mixed up. Who we got? Uh, Mr. Tony of the Dead, he said, everything I say is wrong, lol. But he said, seriously though, every time I try to pronounce any kind of name from another country, I butcher it to death. And I said, me and you both, brother. Uh, Skip Barber, forgetting the name of our the director of Casablanca. Michael Honeycutt, telling someone Keanu Reeves wasn't in Freaked. Jamal Porter, Potter, thinking Return of the Jedi was the best Star Wars film when I was a kid. Uh, Susie Aelia, um, I had you doing, he, she um, tags Mark Savage, I had you doing a panel with a dead guy, did I not? I think that ranks pretty high, lol. Uh, Shazin Barbarian, not sure if this counts, but it was a pretty big Liam Neeson fan. I talked about Darkman and Schindler's List a lot, but I always called him Liam Nielsen. Someone finally corrected me, and I thought they were being stupid. Then they brought up him up on IMDb, and I thought it had to be wrong. When I got home, I looked at some of his films and, and seen Neeson. It made me question everything in life. I will never be the same again. I think I called him Nielsen a bunch of times, but I knew it was Neeson. I just always did it. When you learn a name when you're a kid and you say it a million times and then someone corrects you, you're like, what? It just messes you up. So I've had that happen. So this question of the week I want to ask is, what is the most heated argument you've ever had with someone over movies? Have you ever gotten a fist fight? What is the, anything? What is the most heated argument you've had with someone over movies? So um, let's hop into this update. Okay, let's hop into this update. First, we have this special edition from Mondo Macabro, The Beast and the Magic Sword. Looks like a, I think it's a Spanish werewolf flick. Looks fun. Looks cool. Like Mondo Macabro. Is Paul Nashie in this one? I'm not sure. I'm sure he is though, right? Kind of has to be. Yep, he's in it. <laughs> there we go. Then we got the Lawnmower Man. Got this in the buy two get one sale from Target. It showed up, but the case was cracked. And I was like, eh, do I complain? It didn't cost me much. Kind of upsetting, but eh. I think I'm going to deal with it since it was such a cheap price. And it did come with a slipcover, so eh. Thirst. Also, I think this is a buy one, get one Target sale. Always wanted to see this Korean vampire movie, so yeah. Chanwook Park. Check that out. Got some cheapies from the Amazon buy two, get one sale. Deep Blue Sea on Blu-ray. I think this was like, I don't know, I paid like... $11 for three Blu-rays, so can't go wrong. Like Deep Blue Sea, it was fun. Randy Harlan movie, good cast. Howard the Duck, also very cheap. Again, buy two, get one. George Lucas, uh, produced movie. Same director of the guys who did Messiah of Evil. I haven't seen this since I was a kid. Another one I haven't watched since I was a kid, Harry and the Hendersons. Always liked this movie. Uh, had a soft spot for it. You know, John Lithgow, Bigfoot. Kevin Peter Hall plays the uh, Sasquatch. Then we have some cheapies again from Amazon. Jaws 2. Or Jaws 3, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I haven't watched this one in a while, but I remember liking this one at SeaWorld. Dennis Quaid and Lou Gossett Jr. And then we have Jaws 2. It's been a while since I've watched this one. Lou Gossett, uh, geez, I must have Lou Gossett. Roy Scheider, re, uh, re 
comes back, re comes back. Okay, that's what we're going with. Why not? So yeah, haven't watched that in years either. Used to watch those all the time. It came from outer space. Again, this is more part of the Amazon cheap sale. 50 sci-fi. Not seen this one. Includes 2D and 3D versions. Let me know if this one's any good, guys. I don't even know what the monster is in this one or what it is. And then we got this, uh, which is out of print, and the case came destroyed. But I could replace it. It is torn on the side. This is out of print. It didn't cost me much, so it's like I don't know what to do, really, because I can't really replace it. I already have Omega Man on Blu-ray. The discs aren't damaged, but it's Logan's Run, Omega Man, and Soylent Green. I like those triple features when they show up not broken, but hey, whatever. Then we have this another triple feature, Austin Powers, uh, 1, 2, and 3. Couldn't pass it up. This is 10 bucks. I haven't seen these movies in, in a while. <laughs> and the first two always put me in tears. Not such a big fan of the third one, but man, I love the first two. I saw the second one in theaters, I remember it. And it was so funny, so good. Maybe I saw three in theaters too, but yeah, I guess we're going to hop back to the video. Okay, guys, thank you very much for watching. And as always, you guys have a good one. Mm.